Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, except not always, because uh, which episode was I, did I drop today? It was, it was Angler, Angler's Tunnel Angler's 4. Tunnel. Yeah. Four? You, you yeah. were notably not on I that I was episode. notably absent. Yeah. Did, you, did you keenly miss me? I, uh, I would like to think that our listeners keenly missed me. I, um... What? It was. It was. It was different. Your, your hesitation is insulting. <laughs> hey, Jackson. But it's Jackson fine. did good. No, All right. I, I I listened to the episode today. For I'd never. I hardly ever listen to our own episodes because I hate hearing myself talk, um, which is kind of weird because I talk a lot. So people, most people would be like, "Matt, you love your own voice," and I'm like, "No, nah, I really don't." Um, but. He did great. He did so good. He, yeah. he, he we're, really did. we're proud of him. He's all grown up and Aww, making making yo. content. So cute. TM. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's uh, always great to be here. Uh, love love being here. Um, you know, Lyndon, we have a lot of good friends, right? Oh, like yeah. we have a very wide network of friends, yep. and a lot of our friends, deep and wide, some might say. Indeed, yep. a lot of our friends join us on our podcast, like mm-hmm. our friend today, Sam O'Neill. And you know what this reminds me of? Sometimes is we have many Nintendo brand ambassador friends, and Sam, I know where he's going with this. Sam was showing off her wonderful personalized monogrammed uh, hoodie. He wants your hoodie, Sam. I want your hoodie. Oh, I do. I love that hoodie. I've been wearing it everywhere, and so it's got Nintendo the logo embroidered all on the back. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I go, I'm like, hey, like, have you seen like, people on the street? <laughs> See, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I would do. Except, Yeah, no, I have. I went to an escape room and I was wearing an Animal Crossing shirt under it. And the guy instantly was like, oh, Animal Crossing. I was like, but have you seen the hood? <laughs> monogrammed. <laughs> Matt, Matt got just a little bit ahead of me, but obviously we welcome back to the show this week. Sam O'Neill, Nintendo fangirl. Hey, Sam. Yay. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, Always so it's fun. The thing about that hoodie, though, Matt, is that like, okay, so like Sam and Kylie, like they've they've both got cool names that are right. getting stitched on. Like, like Nintendo Sam fangirl, is Nintendo fangirl and, and Kylie's Captain, Captain Dangerous. Dangerous. And right. I feel like mm-hmm. if you had a hoodie, it would just be Matt. No, <laughs> no. We would have to have it say Sacred Realms or something. Oh, it would I have guess to it would have I to be a, Yeah, it would have to be part of our like podcast brand. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt, we'll send you to Redmond with um some cardboard and you can maybe like pick it out front and <laughs> Yeah. Is that that's, that's how you right. get a Nintendo brand ambassadorship, right? Right? Yeah. Yep. Cool. From the or expert a Nintendo herself. job, or you know, just how yeah. you get yeah. in. That's it. Yeah. That's or it. You do nothing. It's spoiler, just spoilers <laughs> for Breath of the Wild Two. Anything you want, you just <laughs> yeah. post up outside the front door. Yeah. I mean, if you yell loud enough, eventually someone's going to come out and see what's up. You'll either get arrested or you'll become a brand ambassador. And really, it's a fifty-fifty shot, in my opinion. <laughs> I think we should just do it. Some risks are worth taking, Matt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, um, so, Sam, how have things been going with you? It's been, jeez, uh, what episode? Were you, you were Fire Temple, right, mm-hmm. in Ocarina? Yeah. Yep. So it's been it's a minute. It's been good. Yeah. I mean, as of us recording this, we're two days away from Skyward Sword HD. So, like, that's all that's been on my mind. Yeah. You and me both. <laughs> so we actually, um, last week's episode, Turtle Rock, we ended up cutting it 
right after the Sacred Realms rundown. And then we recorded the last 15 minutes right before this show because I was hoping that the review embargo would be up by the time we were recording tonight so we could get some like a review roundup at the end of that episode and that is exactly what happened so yay see some gambles pay off (laughs) some gambles pay off yeah um matt and i were talking about that right before we started recording and i don't know it seems pretty positive so far right i don't yeah yeah um i don't yeah i'm excited for it for sure yeah no no 10 out of 10s ign or anything like that but like (laughs) but i mean it, it seems like if your issue with that game was the controls or the like the 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 Wii motion controls or the the fee nagging issue or any of like the item blurbs or what, it seems like all of those things have been fixed. So if that was your problem with the game, then you should be in in excellent shape. Yep, so. agreed. So where where do you land on our Skyward Sword? poll here sam i know we're getting a little off topic but you know as we said this section of the game is a little bit short so i feel like we've got some time to kill where do you land on our skyward sword between me who is a little bit psychotic about how much i love skyward sword and 90 percent of zelda fans who hate it matt wearing his white shirt and his black tie riding around on his bicycle going door to door (laughs) jehovah's witness style naga can i tell you about our lord and savior jaharim jaharim whatever i know we're gonna have to we'll we'll figure it out jaharim and his son Groose, who is one of the best (laughs) characters of all time Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Grease. It's impossible sure. to not it's love Grease. But uh, Skyward Sword's in my top five. I think I had it at number five. So I'm, yeah, I love Skyward Sword. I think it's got my favorite story of any Zelda game, and the music's incredible. I think it's visually beautiful, or was on the Wii. So that's why I'm pretty stoked about seeing it in 1080. Yeah, never forget. Sam was one of those guests who showed up to our first show together with like a pre-made list of her top Zelda games oh, of yeah. all time. She so. was prepared. It was just coincidental. Yeah. <laughs> I had made it. No, we, awesome. we appreciate Prior. that level of preparedness. That's <laughs> we awesome. Appreciate it. It's great. Um, yeah. Are you going to, are you going to jump in day one? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. I think we're, I'm not going to just because that's begging for me to like play an hour or two of it and then have to take two <laughs> weeks off because I'm like changing diapers or whatnot. So I'm going <laughs> yeah, to put true. I'm going to put that to one side and get back to it later. But. Well, I'm flying to visit family um, the day after it comes out. So I'm really looking forward to booting it up in the air. There you go. And taking a picture from the airplane window. Now that she that's says like that. Goal. I'm actually I'm traveling for business this weekend as well. And that's going to be very tempting for me to buy Skyward Sword and play it. Well, you should just time. you should do that. And, but, uh, because <laughs> we're about a month away from recording, from recording any it. of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. If you think you can like retain the information. No, 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 no. Play no. it we'll twice. To, well, I was about to say, I could always <laughs> just play it on like normal and then play it again on hero. It's always an option. That sounds like a really quick way to make yourself sick of Skyward Sword. That's also true. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if that's even possible for you. I, don't I mean, know. It, like, it's definitely possible. You know what? Maybe I'll just get into the X cloud and maybe play some Witcher or something. You can't X cloud on the plane. No, I know, but I, pre- I mean, I will figure it out. I don't know. We'll figure it out, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Gaming technology will surely not fail Matt on his nah, business trip. I mean, if I if I have to resort to doing some like, I don't know, 
Super Smash Bros. on the plane instead. Like, I guess I can do that. It's what a fine. what a terrible time. You I know, know right? Like, How da- like the <laughs> switch? Uh, really, just it's atrocious, right? If, if I had told ten year old you that you'd be here, like, I guess I can play Smash Bros. on the plane. Oh like, man, ten year old me would be like, Are you actually? kidding me no because 10 year old me didn't cuss so like we have to you, know, you didn't cuss just now i know but i was about to and then i decided oh. not to well i have sound effects for that oh are you <laughs> me there you go that's what there you go that's no, fine um <laughs> yeah the the switch best most like amazing innovative wonderful console for the uh traveler yep that has ever existed yep the gamer who takes business trips is very happy with Papa Nintendo. For which is me. The Switch, which is him. That's yep. me. Yep. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, if you guys didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. I do just want to say um, we've had a few instances the last few weeks of uh, of it taking a little while for directories to update the RSS pull from our uh from our podcast host so what that has turned into is that like an episode won't be available on apple podcasts until like 4 p.m when it's usually available at 10 in the morning yeah or or apparently like today google podcasts is still not up and it's 8 30 central time is it not up even as of now i don't know i haven't looked in the last 30 minutes but yeah so anyway to anyone who who notices that and asks us no we are not discontinuing your podcast network of choice uh it's just uh it's taking a little while i mean they tell you that it can take anywhere up to 24 hours but it's usually not more than two so buzzsprout get your (laughs) together i don't think it's actually buzzsprout's (laughs) fault but I don't know. Okay. That's, that's the only person I know to blame. But I'm glad you could like get that out of your system. Like, did that I, feel good? It did. It okay. actually did. It's, cool. it's a little bit cathartic to yell at a non. Good. I'm an, happy an for you. I'm very happy for you. Um, but anyway, so all that is to say, yeah, if that ever happens again, just bear with it. It will show up. Thank you for your patience. Yeah. And your patronage of listening to our podcast. Well, we yeah, that, that that of course. That's more important than patience. You always have our thanks for that. Um, if of course you would find other ways to patronize our podcast besides just listening to it on your directory of choice, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacred realms pod and you can become a patron. Um, we uh, have a lot of benefits that we, uh, that we put up over there. We've got bonus episodes. We have custom trading cards every month. You get the ability to vote on what game we play next and much more. So, and then also just a reminder that our bonus episodes are all up on Apple podcast subscriptions now. So if that's where you get your podcasts and that's a more convenient way for you to access those, then go get them for everybody else. Um, they are available on our Patreon and they are priced uh, equivalently between the two. So uh, no worries there. Uh, I think that's everything. I did that a little out of order. It got a little squirrely in there. I mean, it, was, it happens. Yeah. You know, it's more we we consider this the Sacred Realms rundown slash the uh, our our um, script here more of guidelines than actual <laughs> rules. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It didn't feel out of order. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, Sam. <laughs> but I just I excuse my excuse my excessive honesty then like nobody needed to know. But anywho, I went off script and confused myself. But regardless, OK, I think that that's all I've got for that section. Um, 
just uh, just a reminder again, Skyward Sword Episode 1 airs on September 1st. So um, if you do not have Skyward Sword HD yet, go ahead and pick that up. Um, the first episode will be covering Skyloft, the Faron Woods, and the Skyview Temple, which as I'm saying it, I'm realizing that that's like a lot of game. That's a so, lot of game. We may have to revamp that a little bit. <laughs> but the only other... the only, I See, I was thinking about this. The only way that we could do it is if we just separated Skyloft and did Faron Woods and the other stuff on its own and Skyloft was just its own thing. But I don't know that that's enough by itself to, right? I mean. Well, how about this? I will play the intro section of the game this weekend and tell you. Oh, there you go. You're going <laughs> to. I'll scout it out. You're going to demo it? I'll scout it out. Yeah, exactly. Cool. It'll be a beta. Teamwork. I love Not it. Not to get off on another Skyward Sword tangent, but I'm working on a Beatrice cosplay uh, right now. Uh, nice. <laughs> Nice. So I'm super excited for like the the bazaar on Skyloft. I need to like hear that music again to get in the mood to finish that cosplay. I love that. I love that soundtrack. It's all so good. Um, are you working on a cosplay at, at basically any given time? Generally speaking, like using the term working loosely, <laughs> I generally have like parts of cosplays. Like this room is filled with garbage that's mostly parts of cosplays right. or random things strewn about. But yeah, generally speaking. And does that does that imply that you're going to be uh, going to an event at some point in the future that you would like wear this cosplay at? Or I would love to, but as of now, nothing planned. Yeah. Just kind of like, oh, Skyward Sword. Okay, I really want a Beatrice cosplay. <laughs> cool. Hey, who needs a reason, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, no, you don't need a reason. And honestly, um, you know, Beatrice is everyone's favorite wannabe girlfriend, right? Like she's right. just. She's kind she's of hard gold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hard she's, gold. She, she's the one. Uh, she's the one who's like she looks bored all the time, and she's yeah. In the, she's the item. Yeah, the, the item, item shop. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's what I thought. I was making sure I had my my Skyward mm-hmm. Sword NPCs lined up. Um, I was like, I was pretty sure it was her, but also I wanted to make sure that it wasn't like the devil and <laughs> or whatever his his name is. And I was like, I just got them completely mixed up. Demise or something. No, yeah, what is or his no, name? The, no, 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 the, the, it's Bat, Bat something. Uh, uh, dude, dude who you can only find at night in Skyloft. And, and you, you bring him all the gratitude crystals. Yeah. I don't remember his name at all. He's, he's got some like Satan ass sounding name. It's not like, it's not, <laughs> it's not Mephisto, but it's something that. I was about to say Mephisto. Yeah. <laughs> um but okay matt's doing matt's using the google machine it is it's googling because now i want battery 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 it's like a b-a-t-r-e-a-u-x oh it's french it is very french yeah it's very french (laughs) i would never have remembered that to be fair yeah i knew it was bat something but i couldn't couldn't remember well it doesn't matter anyway because that is not who sam is cosplaying so no it's not no it's 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 our it's (laughs) everyone's favorite item item girl but hey you know what in the future who can tell right All right. I think that's all we've got for housekeeping. Let's move right on into the Sacred Realms rundown because this is just a fun section of game with a lot to talk about and we're all excited for it. The Sacred Realms rundown is, of course, a six part analysis of what we played this week and the feelings that it made us feel. Today, we're covering Link's Awakening, uh, the finale of the game, Chapter 9, which includes basically just the Windfish's Egg and really not much else. I think I was like looking for other things to do and there's nothing. You're just supposed to go straight into this from Turtle Rock. So um, part one of the Sacred Realms rundown is, of course, the plot recap as read by Matt. And he's he's banged out a pretty good one here. So get ready. Y'all. He, he's going to take us for a ride. 
The time has come. The windfish has slumbered long enough and the people of Koholint continue to be threatened by monsters at every turn. We now have all eight instruments and everything we need to end this nightmare once and for all. We head directly to the windfish's egg, and following the instructions of our friendly white light voice, we play the song of the windfish that Marin taught us on our ocarina. Immediately, the eight instruments join in the melody and play of their own accord. Get it? It's a chord. It's a chord it's joke. It's a chord. Like, it's, it's a band joke. Music humor. <laughs> Good job. Anyway, as the final note fades away, the egg begins to shake the entire mountain, and a crack appears in its base. Finally, a hole large enough to enter appears in the base of the egg. The owl flies down and tells us to enter, for the windfish awaits. As we enter, the surroundings are purely bizarre. A shallow pool of water coats the entire floor and torches are ensconced along the walls. All of the surfaces are an odd blue shimmering color and in the room beyond the entranceway, there is a giant chasm with no obvious way to pass over. Perplexed by this, we leave the egg to find a hint as to how to reach the windfish. We go to the library of Koholint, uh, which is in Mabe Village, and there find a book titled The Dark Secrets and Mysteries of Koholint Island. Previously, this book appeared utterly blank, but using our handy magnifying glass, we can now see a set of directional instructions that will lead us directly to the windfish. You may remember the magnifying glass as the reward that we get from the item trading quest. That was not the boomerang, and so you probably forgot about it. Because <laughs> yeah. really, the, the boomerang is just, uh, yeah. it's really the reward. Now that we have the directions, we enter the egg once again and navigate the labyrinth ahead of us in search of our quarry. As we come to the end of the directions, another dark chasm awaits, and following our instincts, we jump right in. A disembodied voice calls out from the room. We were born of nightmares. To take over this world, we made the windfish sleep endlessly. If the windfish doesn't wake up, this island will never disappear. We would have been the masters of this place, but you had to come here and disrupt our plans. You can never defeat us. Now let's rumble, which really is probably the cheesiest way to enter a boss fight that I think I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it really is. But it's okay because when they cue in the final boss fight music, which I'll be doing right about here. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. From beneath our very feet erupts a dark shadow with yellow eyes. The very essence of the nightmares that have plagued the island are now before us, ready to do battle. As we progress through the fight, using all the tricks and items in our arsenal, we are assaulted again and again by the nightmare as it takes on various forms from our past. From a simple Zol to the shade of our most feared enemy, Ganon, and culminating in a giant one-eyed tentacled monster. We fight and fight against the physical representations of our fear itself until at last we overcome the shade and cast it out of the windfish's mind. With its dying breath, it says, This island is going to disappear. Our world is going to disappear. Our world. Our world. With its death, a staircase appears in front of us and the voice of the owl beckons us to climb. 
As we reach the top, our ever-present guide comes to hover before us and fill us in on the secrets. Finally, all the questions are answered as the owl explains that he is one of the guardians of the Windfish's dream world and that he needed Link's help to vanish the nightmares that had infested this place. Now that the nightmares are gone, it is time for the Windfish to awaken, and thus for the island and all that is here to vanish. Finally, the windfish itself shows itself to us and confirms that this island is indeed only within its mind. But we are very much real. And any time that we remember back to this island and the people upon it, it makes the island real once more. It is time for us both to wake up. Adrift on the ocean. The boat destroyed, our supplies gone, a pounding headache, and the vague sense of a dream fleeing the edges of our memories like dew in the morning sun. As we cobble together a raft from the debris, a giant shadow passes over the sun. A huge whale is flying directly over us and singing a beautiful melody. And suddenly the memories all return. Koholint, Marin, Terran, Animal Village, Bow Wow, and even the Windfish. Don't forget Monbo. And Monbo, really the true hero of the story. My boy. <laughs> All of it comes flooding back as we break into a wide smile. As the Windfish flies into the distance, we hear the sweet sound of Marin's singing echoing all around. And following the tale of the Windfish, a lone seagull flies along, singing a beautiful song and headed to parts unknown. Maybe Marin or something of Marin and Koholint lives on after all. Brought a tear to me, I. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That has been the plot recap as read by Matt. That man, that was a that was a tour de force. Well done. Oh, thank you. That was, yeah. It was a lot of fun to write. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was actually I was waiting for the moment where your voice like really tipped over into like uncomfortable narrator voice, but you rode the line. You thank know? you. I tried. I yeah. I don't want to be too excessive. Like excessive and unnecessary is kind of one of the things that I do often. So we're just trying to keep this enjoyable. I appreciate moderately, you. moderately <laughs> excessive. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate your uh, I appreciate your uh, discretion. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you very much. Anywho, um, OK, part two is, as always, our takes. But I'm going to go ahead and make a, a judgment call here. Part two and part three, which is the dungeon map, are going to do a, a twin rova this week and combine into one mega thing because um, individually. I don't think that there's enough to sustain either of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, oh, no. You know what we're going to do? We're doing the fusion dance from Dragon Ball Z. Boom. Yeah, Go but, tanks. Yeah, but that's that's way less relevant. Ah, no, to, Sam to got our it. Podcast. Sam did the thing All with right. me. I'm happy for you guys. <laughs> I'm happy for y'all. We'll, Thank you, Sam. We'll, we'll just we'll, we'll just You're we'll say that. OK. Um, all right. So 
part two slash part three, where we talk about this whole section of the game, which does include the Windfish's egg, which I don't even think you can rightly call a dungeon. You know, it's really not. So I, I want to start off um, by talking to you, Sam, because when I asked you which section of the game you wanted to play, you said that this whole thing right here was your favorite. And uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from you about why that is. Sure. So largely, if not almost entirely story-based reasoning, (laughs) but um, I think for me, and this is kind of getting into overall game territory, but for me, Link's Awakening um, is a pretty fun, but like higher tier middle of the road Zelda game up until the end. And the way that the game wraps up at the end is where it takes it over the top for me. Mm -hmm. So something about the combination of all of the instruments and the overview of the island and seeing everybody and wrapping everything up in such a nice way after like a really nice long boss battle. I love. Yeah, I definitely get that. I think um, one of the reasons I've always loved this game is, is for a very similar reason. I think you get shades of good storytelling and deeper storytelling uh, throughout all of the game. And then it really does culminate in, um, in, in a series of events that have real emotional weight behind them, just because of the characters that you've interacted with before now, you know, um, like the, the, the themes of this game about reality and whether or not these people you've grown attached to are real or not. I mean, and whether or not that matters, like that's another theme that I think sometimes gets lost here is like, does it really matter that they were just, a figment of the windfish's dream because they were real to you. And I think that's exactly what the windfish is saying at the end where he says, anytime you remember this Island or these people, they become real again. Like just because something is a dream or a memory or, or, you know, whatever doesn't mean it's any less real. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but we're supposed to be kind of of two minds at the end of this, especially. Yeah, in, to- in the, no, totally. In the perfect ending. Like we're supposed to kind of wonder whether Merid was real or not. Right. And that's how I read it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's it's hard because like it's obviously a being as powerful as the windfish who can literally dream things into existence. Like it, you wouldn't think it'd be beyond the realm of possibility that he would be able to grant a wish. Mm-hmm. Like example, Marin's wish of being able to go to all the corners of the world and sing like obviously this dude can literally in his sleep create an entire island monsters people blah 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 blah. like he can probably turn one of those figments of his imagination into a seagull but (laughs) probably not that hard yeah in in retrospect whale god can do anything yeah whale god yeah (laughs) all hail the wind fish yeah (laughs) um but the thing that's weird about it though is that all of this so at this point we kind of understand especially after the boss fight where all of the different forms that it takes except for the final one are figments of our of link's dark past right mm-hmm. i mean the nightmares on this island come from us they don't come from the windfish right no i see i don't think that that's true though because we are not the dreamer the windfish is the dreamer we are in his dream right so did we bring the nightmares is that how it works see i always saying it as the windfish having nightmares and so like it's this whole thing is a figment of the windfish's imagination his his dream world mm-hmm. and something negative has sunk in there and maybe it's because link has come in and that like yeah. triggered yeah. something weird in his brain but i do i do see them as 
his nightmares. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe just like Link's experiences give them shape or whatever. Well, and so what really brings me to that conclusion is the owl said that he needed us to dispel the nightmares, which would lead you to believe that we are not thereby the source of said nightmares. Right. And, um, I, th- I think Sam's totally right. And I think you might even be onto something with what you said pos- is a possibility is Link's presence within the dream is what caused the nightmares, but it's like a disruptive influence in, in a biosphere, right? Like it's, he's a, He's he's like a bacteria or a virus within the <laughs> this this, yeah. this sphere, right? And so the the windfish's dream is reacting to him in a way that he then has to yeah. cue, combat. Cue, cue uh, Mr. Smith telling Link that he's a virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Red pill, red pill or blue pill? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so I, we can talk a little bit more about the the narrative ending of this game in just a second, but let's talk about the windfish's egg as a playable section of the game, specifically in the boss fight and all that. Yeah. I have a question for you, Sam. The first time that you ever played this, did you know to go to the library and get directions to the egg, or did you do the whole like try to stumble your way through the the rooms? I will um, raise the bar and say the first time I didn't know. I guarantee you, I didn't know, but I don't really remember the first time I played. Yeah. The second time I played on the Switch, I still <laughs> forgot. <laughs> still didn't so, know. <laughs> I think I actually ended up looking it up. I was so there's like five or six things I looked up when playing. Link's Awakening again on the Switch. There's just, I don't know if I wasn't in the state of mind to play a Zelda game at the moment or what, but there was just a number of things that I just like wandered around aimlessly for hours and like, I cannot figure out what to do. And I know for a fact that one of the things I looked up was um, not just the directions, because I wanted to know, like, what am I missing here? They're, I'm missing something. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, go to the library. I was like, oh, right, the library. <laughs> and I knew that was there. And as soon as I read it, I was so mad at myself. But no, I completely forgot well, that that was a thing. Well, and it's like, except for the color dungeon, though, when do you really go to the library? Because it's like the first time you ever go in there, you figure out pretty quickly that all it is is game tutorial stuff. So, you know, it's not a place that you have a lot of reasons to revisit. I think as the, as the end of the item trading quest, which obviously the boomerang is like the fun thing that you get from that. But what it's really all about is getting you the magnifying glass so that you could do this part of the game, like so that you know what to do. Um, And I think that that's just like the ultimate appropriate end for an item quest. That's full of like things that you have to do and would never know to do those things. You just kind of like, (laughs) yeah, like how are you supposed to know to take this stick over to Terran so he can knock the beehive down? And then that leads you somehow to Animal Village. Like, uh, yes, absolutely accurate. I'm sorry, please continue. So or or the or the frickin. I mean, the, I think the the really crazy one is always going to be the whole having to give the bananas to the monkey, you know, having to go through all of that before you can get into Candlelight Castle. Yeah. Um, and, but anyway, yeah. So but I, I think that just speaks more generally to like the era in which this game came out as a product of its time, you know, and it is not very handholdy in that way. And I think that that has got like its pros and its cons. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is the anti OG fee. Yeah. Exactly. It's neg- nega fee. Nega fee. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the pro is that the game is not telling you how to beat it, which is good. Yes. And the con is that sometimes you have to hit up. <laughs> it's a little more than obtuse. Yeah, you have to hit up ye old IGN walkthroughs. Oh, uh, dude, no, Polygon. Polygon walkthroughs. That's where they're at. Man. Okay. Just letting you know. If anyone is stuck 
I mean, at this point, you've already listened to all the other episodes, most likely. So you're probably not stuck anymore. But if you are stuck, Polygon. Matt's over here trying to start a war between Polygon wikis and IGN wikis. <laughs> hey, as long as they come on our podcast, then I'm fine with it. Like, really, this is all just uh, we, we create we create conflict so that they come on our podcast <laughs> to talk about why the other one sucks. They have to or come why and defend better. their name. Exactly. No, it's all it's all about the content, Lyndon. You I gotta like, create some drama. I like for some the way content. you think about this. You have a you have a very like twisted Saul Goodman way of like approaching this situation, <laughs> yeah. and I, I like that. Thank about you. you, Matt. Thank yeah, you. You're relentless. Um, yeah. Okay. So I uh, the first time I ever did this, the, the first time I ever uh, beat this game, I was this is like ten or eleven, and uh, I definitely just kind of stumbled across like i just wandered around the egg until i until i got it figured out i was 25 the first time i beat this game yeah and and of course like i'm sure that i must have just gotten lucky and maybe that took less than an hour i feel like if it had taken any longer than that at that point i would have gone and and looked at a guide you know yeah but um anyway i was just yeah could not be could not be deterred i was like i've there's something to this i've got to be doing it wrong i don't know i'm just gonna keep trying um so, yeah, definitely, definitely was stumped by that the first time. Um, the thing is, I really like the way that this game ends, but I think that as a final dungeon, the Windfish's Egg is not the greatest, right? Especially having just played Ocarina of Time with Ganon's Castle and... Um, Which also wasn't the greatest. Well, it, but but the thing is, at least... It's an actual dungeon. Yeah, it is an actual dungeon. Right. And I'm thinking back to A Link to the Past, which is what came out before Link's Awakening. And it does have a Ganon's Castle. Uh, actually, I think it is called Ganon's Castle. And that's like the last before you go fight Ganon for the final time in the Dark World, you have to go through his castle. And it is like a a very difficult, like multiple floors, lots of very tough enemies. Um, and I feel like. Obviously, the scope of this game is a lot smaller than that. You know, it was made on a on a shorter timeline with a shorter budget and with more technical restrictions. But I do feel like I mean, you could have just packed these rooms with with hard dudes and and that even would have made it a little, you know, a little bit more interesting to kind of to kind of go through because like. I mean, the final boss is hard in his own way. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like there's nothing that you're really having to push up against too much. That's yeah. ha- that's happening here. So I don't want to I don't want to infringe on our next episode, which we always do a recap episode after every game we play. So I don't want to infringe too much on our recap episode. But I feel like this final boss fight makes up for completely the lack of a dungeon here. This final boss fight was so much fun for me. I loved everything about it. Just the variety, the, the everything that was going on with it. It was honestly enough for me to put like this section of the game even higher than Ganon's castle in Ocarina of Time, excluding, of course, the, the final Ganon fight. Like if you were just to take the Ganondorf fight and Ganon's castle against yeah. the Windfish's Egg and the Nightmare Boss, I would say the Windfish's Egg and the Nightmare Boss was better. Uh, I like the boss a lot. I don't know if I like it that much to where I think it kind of. And I'll explain more when we get to our recap episode. Like I said, I don't want to infringe too much, but like, like to me, this final boss fight was that much fun. So Sam, walk, walk down a hypothetical path with me real quick here. You ready? Okay. All right. Yep. If you could do anything to this final section of the game to maybe beef it up just a little bit, you know, kind of increase the, the amount of gameplay time that it takes you to clear it. What would you have done? Well, I think 
in a perfect world, I would build out the entire egg as a dungeon, like just a full on dungeon dungeon. I think mm-hmm. it could have been. I mean, what we have now is, you know, you look at the book, you see your arrows and then you follow the arrows and that's it. That's the whole egg, uh, apart from the boss battle, of course. And I like your idea about putting just like sticks and bad guys in each of the rooms. That's a good idea for uh, easy fix. Mm-hmm. But I think a correct fix would actually be having it be a dungeon. Sure. It doesn't have to be a complex one, but an interesting one. It doesn't have to introduce new mechanics. Mm-hmm. In fact, it would be great if it's one of those dungeons that just, you know, you've got all of everything that you've earned in the game so far. Use your boomerang. Um, use your boots, like just use all everything you've learned to get through here. Yeah. I think that'd be really good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's so tough anytime we have a conversation like this because the the answer is always like more dungeons, duh. You know, it's yeah. like <laughs> just work way harder and make another version of the game. Exactly, exactly, exactly. right? <laughs> more levels. We want more content. Yeah. Um, no, I think that I think that would have been great. And it, like, especially with the aesthetics that are taking place inside the egg. I mean, Matt said in his plot recap, it's like such a weird, surreal environment. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think it could have, it could have made a fantastic dungeon. It really could have like, you could have done some real trippy shit in this, in this mm-hmm. whole area. Mm-hmm. And it would have just really fit the theme. Now, granted, I've never played the original game boy version. So I don't know if that necessarily the, the vibe would have carried over quite as much, but in Um, the switch version, this could have been like an acid trippy dungeon. Like you're (laughs) on a bad acid trip and stuck in a, like a maze somewhere kind of thing. Like it totally could have worked. Yeah. What if it was like the center of the Windfish's dream world? And so like link being in there now all of a sudden has things messing with his mind. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. And honestly, I think what would have been fun really is if you had this segmented into like a multi-part dungeon where instead of the boss, the the way that it is now, where it just kind of randomly or it doesn't randomly, it it morphs in the same fight from one to another, to another, to another, you have to like go through a dungeon, fight the boss, go through a second part of the dungeon, fight the next boss, go through a third part of, and like each one is thematically based on the boss that you're about to fight. It's so weird because you haven't played this game, so you wouldn't know this, but that's what happens in low rule castle in oh, like between really? worlds that's awesome yeah that's cool. like the entire last dungeon of that game well okay and it's that a makes fantastic me... last dungeon yeah that's right. about it's that really makes good. me really excited because that was that was my idea yeah Ooh, uh, awesome so no i have I, i've never so full disclosure 100 percent honestly Lyndon's not joking. I've never played Link Between Worlds, so I did not know that until he just said that. Can so. confirm Matthew reached this conclusion completely independently of, of anything <laughs> yes! else. So awesome. good on you. Maybe you should go be a game designer. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> no way. I'm not creative enough for that. Could not. Could not pay me enough to work in. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, you could would, for I mean, sure, <laughs> but I'm just not creative enough to do it. Oh, my gosh. Um we didn't talk to our friend Max Nichols about that. Like, <laughs> so tell me, game design, what's that How's like? That? Yeah. So uh, no, maybe later. But um, no, seriously though, I think it would have been really, really cool to for it to be that way. Um, and there was ample opportunity. I don't know much about the development time cycle limitations. Everything that you said about the development of Link's Awakening. So I'm sure there was a, a good, most likely time constraint reason that they did it this way. But you know. Given a perfect world with infinite resources and infinite time. Yeah. That would have been, I think, a good way to do it. 
Well, I think when this game was developed, it was treated very much as a spinoff in some ways because Mm -hmm. there had never been it it had only been main console entries before this. You know, it it, it was Zelda one, two and Link to the Past. And they were working on Ocarina of Time and they had the Game Boy. And so it's like, okay, can we get like a small agile team to go crank something out for this while we're working on Ocarina of Time for the N64? And like. It's so funny, too, because when you look at this entire game from that perspective, uh, I know this is not specific to the Windfish's Egg, but like when you look at the entire game from that perspective, you can really tell that that's the case because it is so quirky and oddball. You can tell that a lot of people had a decent amount of creative freedom to just kind of do whatever they wanted. Yeah. You know, which I mean, worked out in its favor, to be 100% honest. I think yeah. that's that is probably the primary reason it's such a renowned classic within the Zelda community. Like when you think about Zelda fans, they're quirky like us, right? They they like kind of quirky things. Like they're just like you and me. me. No way. We started a (laughs) podcast about it. Whoa, what? Yeah. yeah, I I think this works for their um, customer base exactly the way they wanted it to work. Have you ever gotten the perfect ending, Sam? No. No, definitely not. I think if I tried really, really hard, I probably could. Yeah. But I don't have the patience to. And also like YouTube is a thing. So, yeah. 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 You're right. Exactly. Literally the first thing I did back. So I played the game right when it came out. I beat it pretty quick. I think I did 12 or 13 hours. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing I did as soon as that that credit rolled, I looked up the perfect ending. Yeah. I mean, were you, um, again, this is about Link's Awakening just a little bit more generally, but uh, I mean, were you pretty pleased with with this game as a remaster, like as an updating of the original? Absolutely. I really, I think a lot of it came down to music, to be honest, more than the visuals, although I I really liked the way it looked. Um, I did not love, love the blur effect to give that that toy shift um perspective Uh um i was one of the few people that was like yeah it looks a little funny to me but uh i liked the aesthetics of it and i think it brought the whole thing to life and particularly those um animated scenes in the beginning and end i think were just like the perfect little bows on top yeah i mean i i the soundtrack has definitely been a highlight of this entire thing for me and uh, and actually we get a lot of that in this in the windfish's egg too because it has its own score and then it's got its own boss fight music as well um and re- like really the the instruments that they used to do all the composition in in this game i like the the assembly of like mostly winds and beachy sounding instruments i thought was just like so perfect for this um yeah and so <laughs> i think i actually will have cut in the windfish's egg theme into your plot recap so people will have Please already do. heard it but yeah i mean like it all sounds so good it's so atmospheric and 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 yet still so true to the 8-bit like soundtrack from the original game it's really impressively done no, I agree. And like part of me wants to go back and YouTube the original 8-bit soundtrack so that I can see the comparison. Because again, having be, having the Switch version be the only version of Link's Awakening I've ever played, I've never actually heard the 8-bit soundtrack. But um, just as a general rule, the the music within the Switch version has been really, really good for what I know intellectually to be a, a very old school game that was designed with a very different yeah. type of technology that didn't support 
orchestral soundtracks. Yeah. Jackson and I talked about this on his episode. Um, the only place that I feel like this doesn't apply is with the Telltale Heights soundtrack. Right. I feel like the 8-bit It's, it's still very 8-bitty. Yeah, I, I totally feel that. Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like the original version is just a little bit more get hype than... <laughs> yeah, it's no, like... I'm, I'm all there with you. It's like the ultimate Zelda Club beats. Great. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, cool. So I think now that we've talked about the actual dungeon and getting to the boss um so we've got we've got four distinct bosses here right is it or is it five it's the no it's it's five yeah so it's the zol then it goes in to the wizard the agonim agonim then it goes into ganon then moldorm then mold uh no there's one between moldorm isn't there i think it's moldorm and then just the bouncy the bouncy ball thing that you have to hit with the boomerang yeah and that's yeah. And then there's so there's six and because then, then there's okay. the shell. What did what did Max call him? I don't remember. There's there's the there's yeah. the big guy with the tentacles and the one eye. He's got a name and I don't know. I just I, I, I was just is. called him Big Nightmare, dude. So, yeah, works for me. Yeah, yeah. that's good. It'll do. It'll do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that I think the boss fight is is a lot of fun. I was not wearing the blue mail for this. I went and returned it because I like beating the game in Link's actual clothes. Um, I was still wearing the red mail because I like to kill things in two hits. Yeah, sure. But anyway, I mean, like I still had to pop uh, two fairies in this boss fight because I mean, this dude does. Oh, so did I. This guy does big boy damage. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. He's tough. Oh, man. No, he he actually. So fun story for everybody involved. Um, the first time I played this game. What if I don't think the story is fun? I don't care what you think. OK, <laughs> I care what Sam thinks and I care what okay. our listeners think. I don't care what you think. Uh, Fair enough. Keep going. So the first time I played this game, I died 14 times. Wow. It was a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> four of them were against this boss. I died four times against this final boss. He was that hard. And I, because candidly, it took me two full deaths before I actually Googled how to damage the Zol. And oh, then another yeah. like death. I think that's the hardest phase, to be honest. Yeah, and then it why. took me another full <laughs> death to figure out how to damage Ganon because you have to damage Ganon either with the Pegasus boots or a spin attack. You can't just hit him with your sword. Yeah, like it was like there are phases of this boss that make absolutely no sense for how to actually <laughs> do damage, and it was v- infuriating. How are you supposed to beat Bouncy Ball Boy if you don't have the boomerang? Because it's possible for you to get here. And right, have it. I don't know. I, I'm actually going to Google it while, while we while we discuss. And, and maybe it's the Pegasus boots? magic rod. I don't know. Like I know I tried to hit him with the magic rod because I and so in this fight this time I did try very. I knew how to damage them all, but I tried various different things just to see what would work. Yeah. Um, magic rod does not work on Zol. Okay. Literally, the only thing that works on the Zol is magic powder. Nothing else works. Hmm. Um, I tried on very fast boy. Yeah. Um, I tried. Regular sword. I tried arrows. I tried bomb arrows. I tried. Um, did you have a fun time with those bomb arrows? I did, after actually I did. Like, had, I had a lot of fun with the bomb arrows. They were super fun. <laughs> after I informed you that they are a thing that exists. <laughs> yes. No, they were super Which, fun. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I tried a lot of different things against all the, all the different phases of these bosses. And there's not a whole lot of different ways to damage these bosses. Like there's the way you're supposed to do it. And that's pretty much it. 
Okay. But I'm going to Google how to damage very fast boy without yeah. the boomerang well, while l- we discuss. Let me know. I mean, obviously, like, I'm always happy to see my old bro, Moldorm, again. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Good old Mordor- Moldorm. Yeah. The one I had the hardest time with was the Aghanim phase because that room is so small and it gets very... Tennis ball boy. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets really tough to get out of the way from his attack that you can't deflect, you know? Right. Um, mm. Like, there's just not room to move around in there. So Yeah, there's not a lot of maneuverability. So sure. I had a hard time with him, and then obviously the final phase where where Brohan is, like, swinging his arms around. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, centered for most of it, but after you damage him a bit, they're off-center. So mm-hmm. you have to, like, maneuver correctly to jump with the rock's feather, or else you get hit by those arms. And, I mean, those do, like four hearts worth of damage i think they're they're pretty chunky yeah oh and by the way we had the we had it out of order it goes uh zol then it goes um aganim then it goes moldorm then we have ganon then we have fast boy and then we have um arm boy okay arm eye boy okay well there you go there you go i was gonna lose sleep over that but now i know so okay (laughs) very fast boy you can hit with either the bow and arrow or the uh or the boomerang all right okay but uh that's it so yeah don't run out of arrows because i (laughs) and also make sure to buy the bow and arrow because you also don't necessarily have to buy the bow and arrow yes you do oh you do there is a key that you cannot get in turtle rock unless you have the bow oh okay it's well well, fair enough it's that statue you have to get up on the platform and yeah oh you're right i remember that now Yeah, 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 yeah 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 anyway but yeah um yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Is, I mean, you know, it's just it, it, like it kind of is what it is. It's a it's a final game boss fight and it's hard and, uh, you know, it comes and goes. It's it's a good time. I like it. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I Like I said, I think this is probably one of the best um, one of the best boss fights that I've played in any Zelda game. Really, like it's it's way up there. You said the bouncy blob dude gives you the hardest time, Sam. No, I think just like figuring out the hardest thing. So once I know what weapon to use, I actually don't really have any issues with this battle. But I think the hardest thing is figuring out <laughs> which to use. Yeah. And the one that I had the worst time with was the very first phase. Oh, well, because yeah. it's tough to time, like because magic powder has like no radius at all. So right. Yeah, and this dude is pretty fast, so it's 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 and like the depth perception issue doesn't help either because it's completely top down. So it's sort of tough to tell when this guy is like, like how much time you have to get out of his way before he's on the floor and and hitting you. Yeah, it's 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 tough, but I don't know. yeah, I enjoy it. So with the with the boss fight done, uh, we get back into the end game cutscene, and we've talked about that a little bit already, but. One thing that I wanted to ask you about, Sam, was so we saw this art style at the beginning of the game. And then now at the end of the game, again, we get cool, like sketchy manga link. Mm-hmm. And I mean, does this just make you want a, like a, a miniseries or something in that style? Oh, so absolutely. Badly? I would love that. I love like this, like manga anime link style. But, but, but do you voice link? In, in that animated series, because uh, cardinal I'll rule of Zelda games is no. Link does not have a voice. Yeah, like I mostly care about it visually, so I guess I don't. I haven't thought that far, but in my head, anything voice wise would be a little awkward, cringy. Mm-hmm. So I'll say no for now until I hear something that sounds good. Yeah. I feel like you really need. Because I've thought about this, so obviously everyone wants them to make a Zelda series or movie or whatever. And you really do just need like 
you need a Navi or a Tattle or a Midna or somebody who does the talking for Link. Right. You know? So I've, I would find that personally, and I know we're on a massive tangent here, which is totally fine. We should continue down this tangent it is, because it is it's, fine. A, it's a fun tangent. <laughs> yeah. I like this tangent. It's a good one. Um, as a TV series or, you know, a movie or whatever, whatever you want to call this, where the main character doesn't talk is not a good TV series, in my opinion. I literally cannot think of a single one. I can't think the closest recently. Because um, you I'm, like Mandalorian. He has I was talk a just going to say yeah, but he, he does Go talk. No, yeah, he, like, does. he has personality. Like, he, well, if you say, OK, so he does. He has personality. Well, Link has personality. No, I totally talking. agree. But well, let, let, let's him finish your thought. Well, he doesn't talk a lot, right. but so if you had a side character on Link's shoulder or whatever, mm-hmm. that could, in theory, be the same amount of talking. I mean, the, the big the big thing with Mando is that he doesn't have facial expressions, right? And and mm-hmm. for humans, it's hard to connect with another human when you don't have facial expression to to cue off of. That's why phone conversations are generally forty percent as effective as face to face communication, right? Like, and that's actually a very true study. Um, so, but now I know. <laughs> okay, look, but um, honestly, Pedro Pascal and and Dave Filoni have created a character in Mando that makes up for that with body language. So, but what you can't make up for is is a lack of vocalization. And like, even like if you were to say that maybe Link is mute and he goes with and he uses sign language or something like that, you still have a character who is interacting with the audience or with other characters in the show in a, you know, semi verbal capacity where he is expressing his intent. Right. And I think that that's a necessary in a visual medium uh, that is, you know, TV for a, for an audience to connect with the character. It's a great day in Tatooine, y'all. This is MandoCast, a Mandalorian <laughs> retrospective podcast where, <laughs> where we talk about Pedro Pascal's amazing acting skills without with being full time in a helmet. So I think <laughs> I think I'm kind of aligning a lot with where you're at, Sam, just because the fact of the matter is that our characterization of Link that we've that we've always had, especially since Ocarina of Time has really been like relying on his partner characters who have a lot of personality to do the heavy lifting. And then Link has personality as well, right? Like he has facial expressions. He has, you know, grunts and whatnot. Um, And like, we even get implications that he's speaking sometimes, but like, especially in breath of the wild is, it is basically stated that Link talks to Zelda just very infrequently or or but even like to travelers like when people approach you and they're like oh my gosh are you the hero of legend and you can choose like i am he (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think that it is very possible to do a zelda story especially in like an animated format effectively you really do just have you have to let link's body language do a lot of the heavy lifting to develop his own character and And you have to have basically like a C-3PO to his R2-D2 who like is able to narrate to a certain extent, like what he's thinking and feeling or what they're doing together or whatnot. Um, Sam, have you ever seen that really cool? I think it's a few years old. It's got it's got hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube, but is that guy who went and made a trailer for a Studio Ghibli style Zelda movie? I think I have. Yeah, I have not. Super beautiful. 
I watch that like once every six months or so because it makes me, <laughs> it makes me happy inside and I yeah. really want that. But I would like to pitch the idea that if we're having a piece of Zelda media, Link doesn't have to be the main character. I see. I'm totally on board with that. Actually, it could be to, to be honest, as if it's set it in the be. Zelda universe. Yeah. Whoever is fine. I think, I think that Link's adventures are the perfect opportunity for a completely canonical written manga. Like, I really do think that that is the best medium for expanding Link's story. Not necessarily, not necessarily just the Zelda universe. I think that there is a lot of opportunity there for a canonical manga that would that would expand on who Link is as a character. With, he has a few, doesn't he? I mean, but I don't know if any of them are actually canon. I know there are a few mangas out there. Um, specifically, I know that there's one that takes place in the in the war um, between Demise and Hylia that precedes Skyward Sword. I know there's one that takes place there. I also know that there's one about Fierce Deity Link, and I know that that one is not canon. Um, oh, interesting. I think there are a couple others, but I'm not sure where they land on the canon, non-canon scale. So they do have manga adaptations of a lot of the big Zelda games, the Ocarina, Majora's Mask. Yeah, I know there's an Ocarina yeah. and Twilight Princess too. Yeah, and I mean, like, you could say, sure, they're not canon, but also, like, what is canon with Zelda? You know, like, obviously the games, but, like, it's all kind of the legend of, right? So... You know, any of this is open to kind of like interpretation anyway. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think that there are a lot of visual media that Zelda could be explored really effectively in. I don't know if that's Nintendo's thing much. Mm-hmm. I think that they will always be very hesitant to do that just because they know what they're good at and they're going to want to stick yeah. to that. Um I mean, it's not like they're in. It's not like they're unsure about whether or not that would make money. Like it would make money. That's not what they're worried about. But um I don't know. So maybe one day that maybe one day we'll get that. If that ever does happen, I mean, Sam, do you think that like Link's Awakening would be a good? Imagine if we just got the Link's Awakening story, everything that we just played in this style. Like, well, it would be a good little concise like bubble of a story. So that's good. Yeah, like it has no real impact outside of this little section of the timeline. It might be a good little intro to. (laughs) <laughs> test the water no pun intended test the water <laughs> <laughs> how people react to whatever style they choose to do and if they love it you know head on to the next big thing go wind waker yeah right yeah i mean i think majora's mask kind of falls into that same category right where it's its own kind of bubble world that doesn't yeah. actually impact anything else on, on the you know main timeline right so um i think I think both Link's Awakening and Majora's Mask would be prime candidates for exploring, engaging with Link's story in a in a different medium. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a lot of fun. All right. If they do voice Link, I want them to voice him with Vegeta's character. <laughs> Link with Vegeta's voice. Really? Uh, no, not at all. I think it would be hilarious, but it wouldn't work at all. But I think it would be so funny. <laughs> yeah. Matt's over here like, you know who would make a great link? Keanu Reeves. Let's get Keanu for this. Oh, uh, yeah. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, not really. Um, um, no, I have no idea who, who if if they were to voice Link, which I don't think they ever would. Um, I I don't think there's a world where they voice Link. Um, yeah. Who can tell? Maybe yes. I can't even picture it, like, in my head. <laughs> yeah. 
We maybe we'll know someday. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to have the answer to that question, or like unfortunate enough to have one or the other. Yeah, like, yeah. who who can tell? Um, <laughs> all right, we got real far afield from Link's Awakening, but that was that's okay. It was a ton of fun. Let's bring it back uh, on track and just finish out the Sacred Realms rundown here, um, Matt. Uh, let do you want to spend thirty seconds on side quest? Did you do anything between no, turtle? I, did, okay. I, I went around and I shot people with bomb arrows for about five minutes. Cool, which was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, I went and tried to catch old Baron in the fishing pond, and oh, and I I got the last uh, doll from the Trinity game. Hey, look at you! There I didn't, yeah, I didn't go. do that side quest, which you get nothing for except no. for like the pride of having done it. So. <laughs> Completionist <laughs> vibes. Yay! All right, that was part four where we only marginally talked about side quests. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into part five, which is, of course, Z-targeting, where we lock onto fascinating characters or enemies that we happen to cross. Sam, I'm going to give this one to you first. And since this is the end of the game, I'm just going to go ahead and say whatever character you feel like deserves some some spotlight for storytelling excellence in the entire game, just lay it on me. Well, I, I picked one based on the end of the game, and I'm fairly certain it's not anyone that either of you have chosen. So that's good. Interesting. Um, So here's the thing. Uh, The end sequence of of stuff that goes on, you finish the final boss. um, And what you start to see is basically the collapse of the island Mm -hmm. um, or the fade out of the island, as you will. And it gets me every time uh, Mm -hmm. along with like the music in the background. But like the one thing that gets me are the two kids throwing the ball back and forth. So they're getting my, (laughs) my shout out for today. And you know, I think what it is, um, it's not that I have like a connection to those characters. I literally don't even know their names. I assume they have them, but off the top of my head, I have no idea what they're called. I'm not even sure that um, they do. I don't think they have names. <laughs> well, maybe they don't. But like the fact that, um, you know, there's not a lot of of upfront storytelling, which we talked about, but they really did a really good job of building out like the vibe of this island and these side characters and getting it to the point where you feel like this is like an actual little town. And like, I know those kids, I know they pass the ball back and forth Mm -hmm, and seeing them go away. It gets me. Yeah. I mean, you really do have a a real in, in, and as much as you can with the 2d space, a real connection to the inhabitants of Mabe village. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, to a much lesser extent, in my own opinion of like animal village, um, you know, where the, the characters you've interacted with, you you saved um what's Bow Wow's mom's name? Madam uh, Madam Madam Meow Meow. You've saved you've <laughs> saved Madam Meow Meow's beloved pet. Like she gave you a kiss right on the lips for it. Like there are there are and Taryn, not to mention Taryn, like yeah. literally um houses you when you were basically dead you know, turns into a raccoon because of course he does. And then you give him some magic mushrooms and he's all of a sudden not a raccoon. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah it's reasonable yep. things. Um, <laughs> but like these <laughs> characters, you, you have a, an investment in and, and just in my opinion, the, just the vibe of Mabe village is as much a character of itself. Right. We're like, you're going to miss just kind of walking around Mabe Village and maybe mm-hmm. you're not talking to anybody. Maybe Marin isn't there at the moment, but like it's still it's cozy. It's it's comfortable. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's and now it's gone. And yeah. that's that's sad. Well, that's a good that's I mean, that's that's a good point. And I and like I agree with you, Sam. The the fade out of the island gets me every time. 
Um, because when you think about it, in some ways, it's equivalent to like if the moon destroys Termina, right? I Man, mean, that is depressing. <laughs> yeah. It is sad, though. It's so depressing. I mean, because even if you assume like that these these people, this island never really existed, like even the fact, I think it almost makes it easier in the Switch remake because there is such a uh, stark difference between the style of Link inside of the Windfish's dream world versus outside of the Windfish's dream mm-hmm, world. Yeah. But even if you assume that all of these little toy people or whatever they are never existed, it still feels like, like they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sad. Yep. All right, man, that was a good pick. Jeez. <laughs> it was. It was like emotionally deep. Yeah. And they don't even have names. They don't Look have that. That's what that's like the reasoning why I love like I go back and watch the ending to the Switch remake of Link's Awakening almost weekly. I love it so much. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's the yeah. dedication. Well, <laughs> All right. But like also no judgment because I have sections of game and movies that I just like right. when I want to feel feast, something, I'll feast. go like watch that, you know? Dude, the one that gets mm-hmm. me literally like tear in my eye. Yeah. Fee's farewell. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Notably, all of these selections have very good music. Oh, man. In that the Surely that has something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, Fee's Farewell, I'll watch. And then um, there's some snippets of, of like Halo 2 that I'll go back and rewatch every now and yeah. again that I really, mm-hmm. really love. And then um, this is absolutely not a video game, but there have been several times in the last year that like, I don't know, laying awake at night, can't fall asleep, like huh i need some feels what am i gonna do and i'll just like rewatch the portal scene from avengers endgame like (laughs) i mean look yeah yeah. (laughs) it's like oh man especially when you watch like the clips in the theaters where you get to hear everybody get really high i know yeah oh geez yeah man okay that's a whole other thing but Uh, anyway anyway (laughs) it warms my my cold heart Um, (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) okay yeah matt uh z targeting go well, I, I claimed Seagull Marin. Just yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, so Seagull Marin, um, the absolute um, oh, what's the word? Ambiguity. That is the word. The absolute ambiguity that accompanies Seagull Marin. Um, you know, the, the first time I played Link's Awakening, I was like really root. I was shipping hard um, Marin and Link. I was like so cute and then you know of course come to find out well she's not exactly real <laughs> and then uh seagull marin so you know uh there's a, there's always uh there's a little bit of warmth there knowing that at least something of coho lint if you get the perfect netting it exists in the real world right well, and I just, like that's I just- <laughs> I just feel like that was the game designers feeling like they had to pay off all the things they made you feel when you for like, Marin, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when you're like talking to her between like before you go to Angler's Tunnel, yeah. and, when yeah. you when you pick her up, when you like take her as an item, and it goes, "You got Marin, is this your big chance?" Like, whoa, okay, like, <laughs> are, are we really going there right now? Like, like I've known this chick for like a day, okay, G, like G, G's game, yeah, but, seriously, like, <laughs> diving in the deep end, yeah. but no, but no, I mean, like she's sitting there, like she's clearly self aware. She's sitting on that log talking to you about how she wants to go like anywhere else and what is the nature of her existence and so anyway they, they, <laughs> what is the they, nature of existence yeah. oh my god so they find, Marin, let they, me tell you i think about those every a, night they find a way to like obliquely pay that off i think a little bit so yeah, yeah that's a good pick that's um, fine. my z targeting pick i'm gonna go with the the nightmares um the final boss of the entire game mostly because i just think that like 
in the grand scheme of final bosses of Zelda games, you know, a lot of times we have like Ganon and he's just evil dude doing evil things. And that's like because he wants control of the world. Well, and like, like we also now like that's canon now. He's just he's evil dude who does evil things. And because he, he has to because he has to. And he'll just keep doing that forever because of the curse of because demise. demise. Or, yeah, demise. <laughs> yeah. So and, and, it's not, and like I love Ganon. I love fighting Ganon. But um, I don't know. I think that the the whole concept of of a nightmare that's like infesting this entire world and it doesn't like have an agenda it's just a malevolent force that is disrupting all the good things that are happening in this world and you have to fight it and i don't know i i really like that just as a concept i think that makes for a very interesting um in-universe explanation of what this boss is and what it's doing i think it's a good pick good job Lyndon. thank you Praise! Yeah, I do this clap, all. Clap, for, clap, I, clap, 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 clap. I do this all for the kudos. <laughs> I'd like to thank the academy. Um, <laughs> we'll give you some head pats, like we give our cats. Just cool. Yep, I accept those. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get into part six, which is our final thoughts on this section of the game. Um, Matt, do you want this one, or am I going to do it this time? No, you got it. This is this is one of your favorite games. I'm not going to take this away from you. Thank you. Uh, all right, so. The windfish's egg uh, represents a emotional climax to the entire narrative of Link's Awakening. We get good payoff to several characters and to the entire narrative. And even though it lacks a little bit of the scope and difficulty of other endgame dungeons, it is still satisfying and a great way to end, uh, end this game. Yeah. Yay. Clap, 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 Very clap. Very good. I said what I said. No, it was yeah. good. It was fantastic. I And I, I totally agree. I think the, the emotional payout that you get at the end of Link's Awakening supersedes in, in many ways the emotional payout at the end of Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a more emotional investment in the characters and there's a little more tragedy that, that goes on here. So, yeah. you know, I, I completely agree. Yep. Yep, 100%. That has been the Sacred Realms Rundown, the final one for Link's Awakening. We will, of course, be back with another installment of the Sacred Realms Rundown on Wednesday, September 1st, when we talk about the introductory section of The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. And Matt's going to do, as we said earlier, a little research, and he's going to let us know exactly what chunk of the game that's going to Because we're not exactly sure. (laughs) We'll figure it out, guys, I promise. Um, And probably we'll have figured it out before this episode actually airs. So maybe you'll get like a hey listen editing mic here i don't know who can tell um okay before we get out of here uh sam okay so we had an excellent conversation last week with um with kylie about the breath of the wild 2 trailer and i want to get your thoughts on it too i just want to find out like get a get a vibe check where are you at with breath of the wild 2 e3 2021 trailer I wanted more. Well, obviously, I always want more. Like, I'm ready for the game to come out. But more. (laughs) There. So there is so much. It's one of those trailers that, like, we didn't really get anything concrete, but you could watch it over and over and over and over again and, like, pick up on the little things here and there. Like, oh, there's something that resembles ancient technology, like in Skyward Sword. And there's um, also, like, the new – this is – going a little bit out there, but the DLC in um, Age of Calamity tends to hint towards that too. And so generally speaking, I am so, so excited for Breath of the Wild 2. And I appreciate that we got a story trailer, but I'm really clamoring for like 
more definitive, like, this is what the story's about. Give me the title. I'm not even like, I want the release date, obviously, but like, I just really want to know, like, what's happening with Link and what's happening with Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. So neither Matthew or I have done, uh, we both played Age of Calamity. I beat it. I have not done the DLC. And that's mostly just because, like, as much as I appreciated the story of Age of Calamity, that that style, of, style gameplay, of games is not for me. Yeah. It's just not as much my thing. Um, but uh, so, I wish it was because that game was a lot of fun. So I'm going to drop a spoiler warning here. If you care what happens in the Age of Calamity <laughs> DLC. Spoiler for Age of Calamity DLC. Stop yep. listening now. If you care about that at all, then I don't know. Um, Mute us yeah. for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> fast, minute. fast forward and see if you get lucky and we're done talking about this. I don't know. Um, anywho. So, Sam, what happens in the DLC that kind of to you points toward because I always thought that age of calamity seemed like a good opportunity for Nintendo to be teasing some of the things that they might do in breath of the wild too. They clearly consider it Canon. So it's not actually much that happens in the DLC. So the DLC is really just a, or what's available right now right. is really just about um, weaponry and about um, harnessing the guardians mm. and being able to, utilize that ancient technology. But the implication is that there is this um, uh, quote unquote pulse of the ancients, which is like this ancient technology, like you see in Skyward Sword. And I think it's what you see in the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer a lot as well, where you have like um, what powers the Sheikah Slate, what powers the ancient shrines, and there's something to it. And I think that we might be heading in that direction. Okay. Do you think that the the obvious uh, parallels to Skyward Sword in the trailer are coincidental, or do you think there's really something to the speculation that, like, in some way, they are like this game is Linked connected in some way. To, to a greater or lesser degree? There is a connective a connective tissue of some kind. I'd be willing to bet it's to a somewhat lesser degree, but also I'm sure it's deliberate. So I would say like making the parallel of Link flying out of the sky, which seemed almost one-to-one with the Skyward Sword uh, scene, mm-hmm. or um, having the islands or whatever those temple-looking things in the sky are. I think that those are deliberately parallels to Skyward Sword. I don't necessarily think it's going to be um, like a story that's linked with Skyward Sword's story, mm-hmm. but I also think that it's probably not coincidental that we got our Sky Resort HD remake. I mean, it, the timing definitely is. It, it, I, I feel like it's intentional. Like, yeah. I, I, there's not many things I think that Nintendo does that are coincidental, especially when they're this obviously for, like, like foreshadowed it, to be together. Like, it's so blatant. There, you know? There's no reason in the world that they would have a, exactly like you said, Sam, a one-for-one shot of... Breath of the Wild 2 Link going through the clouds. If you put that right up against the Skyward Sword Link going through, it looks exactly the same. Like, there's no way that that's not coincidental. I do completely agree. It's probably to just a lesser extent, some kind of callback. Maybe there's a little bit of Skyloft lore somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think we're getting any kind of sequel to Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild 2. I don't think that is reasonable assumption whatsoever. I do wonder, though, if maybe like fee you know the spirit and the sword makes an appearance in something because well that, because she she kind of 
does to a lesser extent in Breath of the Wild, right? Like the sword talks to Zelda. So they obviously make a very intentional callback to Fee in Breath of the Wild 1. Yeah. And it's making like Fee noises, you know? Yeah. It's, it is. So, I mean, there's, there's, I think there is something there. I just don't know how far they're willing to go with it. Yeah. I don't know. I think that with Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild 2, Nintendo is putting a lot more emphasis on in game lore. I totally agree. Than they have previously. It's feeling very Destiny 2. <laughs> I, like, don't, I don't know about that. No, but, but like, like but, but, so you think about how Zelda lore historically has been more or less housed outside of the game. Like, you know, it's there's little hints every there every now and then, but most of it is compiled by other people. Example, Hyrule Historia. Um, and then, you know, canonized, basically. Yeah. And then now they're shifting to a much more deliberate um in game here is the canon of what is going on yeah situation and you can consume it within the game last question for you sam do you think we get a hook shot in breath of the wild too i'm asking everyone this because <laughs> Lyndon <laughs> loves the hook shot i do so honestly no but <laughs> so like i would love to go back to having more lin- linear is not the right word but more um puzzle-based, dungeon-based weaponry Mm -hmm. beyond the four or whatever it is, 4.5 now, um, Sheikah Slate runes. I would love to get like a hookshot, a like mechanic-based bow and arrow that's not just for shooting enemies that breaks, you know, something something that has a bigger impact on the world. Even if it was a breakable weapon, actually, that would be kind of cool. You pick up hook shots and then you use them around where you see random hook shot yeah, <laughs> markers right yeah or just around the whole map but no i i wouldn't count on it but i would love it all right well we'll see we'll i mean it's fair there are already a lot of movement abilities within breath of the wild that a hook shot feels a little superfluous I mean, I get that. And I think that that's why it was not included in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. One, I mean, you know, it, would, it would have not. Yeah. It wouldn't have really helped you all that much. No, it did not. That's would it be fun. It, I mean, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Give you those big classic Zelda feels. That's, yeah, that's, that's what we all want. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Uh, great. Thanks for giving us your uh, your insight on that, Sam. Uh, one last thing before we get out of here, Matt, I think you said we have a listener mail that you want to read real quick. Uh, we do. And this is just a reminder that if you go to patreon.com slash sacred realms pod, any tier of patron uh, is uh, perfectly able to write in listener mail through that platform. And Absolutely. We, we love getting it. And you know what? If you send us a private a DM on Twitter, we will uh, we'll read it off as well. Sure, but yeah, but but, but also please support the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, I mean that would it's it supports us monetarily, so that's great. No, yeah, we're not going to turn away reader mail. No, we'll never turn away reader mail. Yeah. All right, our friend Drew asks, um, "What Legend of Zelda game do you want to see remade or remastered next? Best based on how universally." panned the adventure of link is it has my vote i feel like it's the least played in the series and as a result could use a modern update sam you go first i need to think about this i think i changed my mind on this a lot because there's a number of games i'd like to see remade but i'll stick with minish cap Mm, it's a super good game and i think you could do so much fun stuff with different styles like it's one of those games that's one of those zelda games that's a little bit out there in terms of like 
the characters and the style is super colorful. Mm-hmm. I think you could do a lot of really fun stuff, whether it was like the Link's Awakening style or something totally different. It'd be really cool. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with Minish Cap. I think that, um, I mean, my answer is not very exciting at all, but, and people have speculated about this already. I really do think that the Oracle games are due for a Link's Awakening style remaster. Like those games are fun. They're really fun. They're, they, they function on the same engine originally as Link's Awakening. It's all eight bit Game Boy, Game Boy Color stuff. Um, and I don't know. I just think that, uh, Especially considering that that's the same Link as the one that we play as in Link's Awakening, they could they could very easily just kind of continue his story via the remaster and make it apparent that it's the same Link. And if they were all out on the Switch together in that same style, I think it would it would function really well. Um, yeah, I mean those games have never been the most accessible Zelda games in the world, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I really do think because th- those were those were the first two Capcom Zelda games. And then Minish Cap came after. And Capcom had some really great and interesting ideas with top-down Zelda yeah. that I think people tend to forget about. And I just I think they deserve a bit of a, a bit of a spotlight, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think my pick would have to be Link to the Past, just because after playing Link's Awakening, I'm very stoked to play Link to the Past, but a little bit nervous that the very dated 8-bit graphics are gonna be a Link hard to the, date. Link to the Past is 16-bit. Okay, 16-bit, whatever. Um, The dated 16-bit graphics are going to be hard to get past for me. I would really like to selfishly see um, an updated Link's Awakening version of uh, Link's Past. See, the thing is, though, and this is one reason that I'm not as as gung-ho for a Minish Cap remaster as you are, Sam. Like, I want Minish... Like, Minish Cap needs to get re-released... On, on the switch on absolutely no like, minish cap needs to be on the switch tomorrow like it's absurd that it's not playable anywhere yeah right except now, on like, a game boy sp yeah like, right if you just happen um, to have one but i just think because minish cap is 16 bit and i think 16 bit graphics granted minish cap came out quite a lot after a link to the past but like they have art styles that i think are similarly timeless you know and, mm-hmm. and I, I think that they they don't beg to be updated quite as much as the 8-bit stuff. Um, Matt, I think when you get to Link to the Past, you're actually going to be impressed by by like kind of the, the simple beauty of it. Super yeah. Nintendo graphics and sound both really kind of hit a, a very particular sweet spot. I yeah, think and like I'm, I'm like totally open to that. Um, obviously, I haven't experienced it at all. So um, I'm open to enjoying it more than I maybe fear. And then, you know, again, this is a total like just a, a trepidation that I have, not not a founded fear whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this is kind of where I land with it. The the game I wanted to get remastered more than anything is getting its remaster that's coming out in two days. So like past that, <laughs> like past that, I'm 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 happy. It's cool, fine. Cool. Um, that's fair. Like I guess I could go with maybe a Twilight Princess re-release, but it already got an HD remake. It already got a it got an HD makeover. So did Wind Waker. Um, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, both got 3DS re-releases. I mean, most of my like big time Zelda games that I like live and breathe all have already gotten the HD or remaster um, treatment. So like past that, it's all yeah. just kosher for me. Yep. 
Yep, definitely. Uh, great question, though, Drew. And again, please uh, hit us up, write in listener mail. We we love to take your questions. We love having discussion fodder. It's it's a great time for us. Uh, before we get out of here, Sam, I just want to ask you real quick. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Anything fun coming up or any channels that you want to send people to? Uh, I don't really have anything big coming up except, uh, well, if you want to see my Beatrice cosplay, <laughs> like the next uh, that'll probably be on my Twitter mostly and maybe TikTok. So I can be found pretty much everywhere just at Nintendo Fangirl, one word. Um, TikTok is at the Nintendo Fangirl because somebody took Nintendo Fangirl. And Twitch is at Nin Fangirl because somebody took Nintendo Fangirl there too. Oh, man. Aww. Yep. Well, you hate to hear that, but yep. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely go and follow her at all those places because, uh, you know, Nintendo fangirl making excellent content since 20, what, 2010? 2006. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. And, and we'll we'll share your Beatrice cosplay with our Twitter and Instagram as oh, well. Oh, thank we'll, you. That we shall. We'll, we'll blast it out for <laughs> you. Yeah, with our, yeah, with our, with our like, our gargantuan seven, Twitter following. Our, like, that we have, 70 yeah. followers. The know, world needs to see Beatrice, though. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Excellent. Well, Sam, uh, seriously, we appreciate you coming on so much. We always have a great time talking with you. Thank so. you for having me. Absolutely. And then, of course, we'll probably do this all over again sometime in a future game. Skyward Sword, another one. Who knows? We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely going to do this again. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed today's show and you'd like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, please head over to patreon.com slash Sacred Realms pod and become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it is not a problem. Five star Apple podcast reviews, as always, are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy. Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms pod for updates on the podcast and for behind the scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our uh, retrospective thoughts on Link's Awakening and our first actual ranking challenge of this whole little adventure where we're going to put it up against Ocarina of Time and we'll see where we net out. So arguably the best 3D Zelda versus arguably the best top-down Zelda. Who wins? Well, that's the question. That's the question. And also, what do we do if we have a tie? We have no tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I guess Uh, we need to get like Jackson up here. (laughs) Emergency. Jackson! No, I tell you, I don't know. I feel like we'll we'll have to. I mean, we'll probably phone a friend in that case. Be like, we'll probably be of one mind about it. Yeah, sure. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, uh, that will be next week. And then the week after that, we're getting into Skyward Sword. So it's going to be a great time. In the meantime, though, guys, may your hearts be full. May your arrows never miss. We will catch you next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameShops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. Bye!